Hey everybody and welcome to the Pickup Hero Podcast. I'm Matt Grace and we will be talking about the top five NFL draft running back prospects. And I'm sure you all know the NFL draft this year is taking place on Thursday, April 23rd. And it'll be done electronically so the coaches and GMs will be making the selections from their own homes and Roger Goodell will be broadcasting live from his basement. Um, and with this list, just because I have one guy ranked ahead of another does not necessarily mean I'm going to say he's got, he's going to have a better career because where they land and the situation that they are put in will have a major impact on how well they do. This is just based off the pros and cons I saw while watching tape and ranking them in order based off of that. So coming in at number five, we have Cam Akers out of Florida State. He is 5'10", 212 pounds, and he runs a 4'47". So getting into some of the things that I really liked about Cam Akers is that he's just a playmaker all over the field. He scored 18 total touchdowns, so that includes special teams, rushing, receiving. Um, he's kind of a do-it-all guy who doesn't necessarily excel in any one area, but can do everything and can make plays everywhere. He likes to make one cut and then head straight up the field, so he's not going to be wasting a whole lot of time in the backfield, which is going to limit the loss of yards he gets um, just hanging around trying to find the hole. Um and he had two games this year that were his worst, where he averaged 3.8 yards per carry. One was against Georgia, and the other was against Northwestern State. Georgia, they always have a very good defense. They're always one of the top teams in the SEC. They're always right there in the SEC championship game. They were in the national title game a few years back, and they got a lot of penetration in the backfield uh, while playing LSU this past year without being able to. And once he gets through that hole, he can pick up speed and he is able to move the pile forward as defenders are wrapping him up and trying to bring him to the ground. He keeps his legs uh, churning, his feet keep moving, and the pile falls forward in the positive direction for the offense. Um, if there is no hole in the middle, he does have the ability to bounce outside in a limited capacity. His quickness is not as great as some of the other guys in the draft. Um, and so he's not going to be able to bust out big gains taking the ball to the outside. But he will be able to do that and turn uh, no gain into a three or four yard gain that way. One thing that did make him a little bit hard to analyze and scout here was that he was running behind a bad offensive line. A lot of times there was penetration in the backfield just as he's getting the ball and he's having to make a move to avoid defenders almost immediately uh, gain any forward momentum going. He was a good pass catcher. He had 69 receptions and that's going back to that playmaking I talked about earlier with the 18 total touchdowns. Um, so he can catch the ball and he can get open. He is fast enough to beat a linebacker. 
trying to cover him in space and make himself available to the quarterback. He's not as quick as some other guys that are ranked ahead of him. Um, that's going to be an issue when he gets out into space and trying to make some linebackers or defensive backs miss making a juke. He's more of a power guy once he gets there and he's got good speed to get in the open field and not necessarily get tackled from behind by someone in pursuit. His worst game of the season in 2019 came against the University of Miami where he had 22 carries for 66 yards, which is three yards a carry. And that yards per carry is going to be at least four. Um, But ideally, it'd be even more, especially at the NFL level. If you're trying to predict going forward, you'd like to see that higher. And in that game against Miami, the defense had a lot of penetration into the backfield just as he's getting the ball. And even if it was just one-on-one penetration, he wasn't able to break many of those tackles. And he was tackled for uh, no gain or even a loss at times. And out of this group of five, he had the worst yards per carry in college. Coming in at number four, we have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire out of LSU. He's 5'7", 207, and he runs a 4'6". So he's not quite as fast as Cam Akers, but what I did like about him is he's a pass catcher who can line up anywhere on the field, and that will allow the offense to create mismatches either for him or for others. In in the offense this past year, Edwards Hilaire, he lined up as slot, he lined up as the far outside, and so this is going to create a mismatch of he's on the far outside. Do you want to put a linebacker out in space there? Are you going to put one of your outside corners on him and have a slot corner guard one of possibly the offense's number one option or number two option at receiver? So that's going to be an issue right there for defenses. And this past year, he he caught 69 career balls, which is same as Cam Akers, but this year, um, which really made him tough to defend. 50 plus of those came this past year. So it was a high volume uh, pass catcher. One thing that he also does better than Cam Akers is he's a lot shiftier and he's got much quicker feet. So when he is coming head on head, the tackler, he's able to make a juke and make him miss the tackle or he can power through and run through. Um, he's good at finding the proper hole, which a lot, which will allow him to get to the second level. And, you know, he can look past the line and see that second level and decide, oh, there's a guy here after I bust through the line, but there's no guy there. So I should go this way. He does have that ability to find that hole and have a two or three yard gain really become a six or seven yard gain. And he's being that short but being as built and muscular as he is that makes him very good at breaking arm tackles because his center of gravity is so low Um, and when he's got a defender coming head on he can get a lower pad level so he's falling forward and not backward and the defender has a tough time wrapping him up one thing that he has an issue with is his speed like I said, he runs that 4640. 
So he's not going to be able to outrun the defensive backs in the open field where he will get caught from behind. And that's going to limit him on big gains to maybe 15 to 20 yards where some of the faster guys could be getting 30 or 40 yards on it. And when they got that penetration, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, he was able to make, if it was a one-on-one situation, he was very good at making that one guy miss and turning a loss or a no gain into positive yardage. And even picking up one or two yards is a lot better than, you know, a two-yard loss. And he did a great job of that. If they had multiple penetrators, then he did struggle in, you know, escaping that because, well, escaping two guys is a lot harder than just escaping one. In the Northwestern State game, the whole team started pretty slowly there, and Northwestern State actually kind of hung around for the first quarter and a half, maybe first quarter and then three-fourths of the second Um, And then in the second half, the team played a lot better. And Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, his yards per carry increased pretty greatly in that second half of that game. Coming in at number three, we have Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin. He's 5'11", 214 pounds, and ran a 4'3", He's the fastest guy of this group, and... Watching his tape, I was really tempted to put him as my number one running back because he really did look like he could be the best running back at his best. His speed is elite. He was able to run away from DBs who were trying to tackle him. He was able to outrun their angle of attack as he's running down the sideline. Um He has good pad level to break through tackles, especially arm tackles uh, from defensive backs in particular. He has great vision to make a cut to open space. That's just sort of a feel and vision thing that he combines where there isn't a whole lot in front of him. And then he just cuts 90 degrees and then runs forward and he's got open field in front of him which not many guys can do, and that's a skill that really translates well in the NFL. He's a patient runner as well. Um, He lets the blockers in front of him get set up, set up their angles, so he doesn't run out in front of them. He stays behind the blockers and lets the blockers put their helmet on the defender's helmet, and then he can pick and choose where he wants to go after that and avoiding some contact there. One thing that I did not like about Jonathan Taylor is he did not demonstrate a whole lot of pass catching throughout his career. He did improve dramatically in 2019, where he really increased his production there. But with the amount of touches he got, he you would like to see some of those some more of those touches be through the air instead of just running. Um, He had the fewest amount of pass catches out of all these top five running backs, which could be, which should be a huge strength for a guy like him um, with his combination of speed and agility. Another thing that worries me is going to be his durability at the NFL level. Even though he never missed a game at Wisconsin, 
he did have 200 plus more carries than the second most in this top five. So that's a whole extra season of running the football right there. He, I think his lowest carry total in his career was 299 in the three years that he started at Wisconsin. His worst game of 2019 was against Ohio State, where they held him to 52 yards on 20 carries. So that's going to be about two and a half yards per carry, a little bit more, um, which is just abysmal. That's not going to keep the offense on the field. That's not going to keep the chains moving and getting first downs. That wasn't such a good performance from him. But later on, when they faced Ohio State again in the Big Ten Championship, he had a much better game where he had 20 carries for 148 yards. And that's a 7.4 average. So that 7.4 average is a fantastic number. If you can get that, you're going to win most football games, even though Wisconsin did not win that one. The thing that worries me the most about him is the fumbling issue. He had 18 fumbles, which comes out to about six a year. They weren't evenly dispersed over the three years, but six fumbles a year is a really big number with the next highest guy coming in at 10. So he's almost doubling uh, the second most fumbles on this list. And when you watch his film, one of the causes for his fumbles is he doesn't wrap the ball up. When he's anticipating contact, he still only has one hand and one arm over the football where you would really like to see him cover up with two when he's lowering his shoulder to try to break a tackle or slip out uh, an arm tackle from a linebacker that he's about to run past. At number two, this will be a little bit of a surprise for some people because a lot of people have him as the number one running back in this draft class, but I have DeAndre Swift here out of Georgia. He's 5'9", 216 pounds, and he runs a 4'4", 840. So he's got pretty good speed. Um, he's got patience finding the hole, and one thing he's really good at is he can slip through these really tiny cracks in the in between the offensive line or in between defenders. Um, I like to call it getting skinny in the hole, which lets him slip through. And then once he gets through there, he's really good at putting his foot in the ground and then getting up to full speed. He's got great acceleration, and quickness is one of his major assets. He's probably the best in this draft class at juking defenders in the open field and making them whiff on their tackles and leaving them behind and then getting more yards after that. He has a low center of gravity, which allows glancing hits from defensive backs who are laying out to try to make a play, knock him out of bounds, something like that. And, you know, he can stay on his feet, keep moving downfield when that's not moving the ball Downfield, that's not picking up first downs. That's not doing anything productive for that offense. But in 2019 against Michigan State, he just tore them up. So 
he did show that ability to come back and, and, and greatly improve over the previous year against them. And his final year, he really did in, run all over the Big Ten and really not make it look hard at all. He made it look easy doing that. Thank you for listening to these running back rankings. Once again, this is the Pickup Hero podcast. I I hope you enjoyed listening. And if you have, I believe he was at around seven or eight yards per catch. If that could have been around 10, that would have been really awesome uh, for a running back. But that's all right. Just the fact that he was able to get 71 catches and average about 20 a year is pretty impressive. And that'll translate well to a lot of offenses next year and he can really become a safety valve for a lot of NFL quarterbacks when the play breaks down. He explodes well out of cuts and has a great ability to plant his foot and then just and then accelerate to full sweet full speed quickly whether it's through the hole or in open space. One thing that DeAndre Swift does really well and he and Clyde Edwards Hilaire kind of in the in their own class here is when it comes to the pass catching. He has great hands to catch. And then as he's making the catch, he does a great job of positioning his body so that once he secures the catch, he can just turn up field and he's able to avoid defenders who are still reacting to the throw in the air while he's catching the ball and then making his cut uh, to get past them. Um, He had 50-plus catches over the last two years. He added a few more uh, the previous season, but it was an insignificant amount. So the last two years would be really where you want to focus on him pass catching if you wanted to look at the tape of him playing. And one thing that I really love to see about him even though he does have the great hands and he probably does want to always be involved in the passing game, but he has a willingness as a pass blocker to pick up blitzing defenders. If that's his assignment to stay in, he will try to find the blitzer who's coming closest to the quarterback and try to put a body on him. He does need to refine this a little bit and work on his technique When you are watching the film, he does resort to a cut block quite often. Um, And so at the professional level, defenders are going to be able to key in on this and know that he might be coming with a cut block and set him up to jump over him or just get him a little bit off balance. And then they can keep their feet and then continue blitzing the quarterback. But the fact that he is willing and has a desire to stay in there and support his offensive linemen in protecting the quarterback. You got to love that as anyone who's coaching or trying to build a team around and you're trying to find that running back. He is a strong guy and on first contact, if they're able to wrap him up, he does have the power, even if he doesn't break away, to move the defender backwards so he's gaining some more yards there and he is able to push the pile forward, maybe getting an extra yard or two, which can come in handy on 
a third and one, or if you have to go for it on fourth, or if you're close to the end zone and it's a short yardage situation. He does have that ability. One thing I don't necessarily like is that he was a running back by committee, so he was never the full, he never received the full workload of a true number one running back. And so when he goes to the NFL level, you know, there's a question of if he's going to be able to do it, if his body's going to be able to hold up, uh, will he get fatigued more quickly because of that? But this seems to be George's philosophy because they've been doing it, going as far back at least as Todd Gurley um, in about 2014-ish. And Todd Gurley was easily the best running back in college football that year. He was averaging something ridiculous like seven and a half, eight yards per carry, but they still had other running backs taking carries away from Todd. Even three years ago with Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb, they did that as well. You know, the, both those guys went over a thousand yards when either one of them could have been the lead back getting all those carries and probably going for 2,000 yards themselves. The worst game he had in 2019 was against Florida, where he had 25 carries for 86 yards. That's 3.44 yards per carry. Um, And getting 86 yards is pretty solid, but on 25 carries, you would like it to be a little bit higher and hopefully that number would be more like 25 and 100, give or take a few yards, you know. That would be really ideal if four yards would be worst game of the season. But in that game, he did find quite a bit of success bouncing the ball outside, using his elite quickness to get outside, and that really bolstered his yards per carry, especially once he was running the ball in the second half. He was able to pick up big chunk plays, so that could be a result of a few things. They kind of changed up the blocking scheme. The defense got tired, but either way, it it is good to see a running back become more productive in that second half, which he did against Florida. And then my top running back, I'm sure... You all can figure out who it is by now through the process of elimination. But here I have J.K. Dobbins out of Ohio State. He's 5'10", 216, and runs a 4.440. So he's going to be the second fastest guy here. Showed pretty good speed. And he was just a production monster all throughout college. He had 38 rushing touchdowns. He is second all-time in Ohio State rushing, and if he stayed for his final year, he definitely would have passed uh, the all-time mark there. And they've had quite a few great all-time college players like Eddie George and Archie Griffin uh, running there. What I would have liked to see is yards per catch a little bit higher, though, He is a good receiver and had a lot of receptions. He had 71 total receptions, so that's about 20 a year. Being able to go 0 to 100 
as quickly as he does is a great tool for running backs as they can make a cut, make a guy miss, and then pick up yards and not have to use five or six yards to get up to full speed before then they're able to outrun maybe a trailing linebacker or a corner coming across the field, something like that. So he can plant, explode for, get to his top speed really quickly and gain a bunch of extra yards that way. He He's able to fall forward when getting wrapped up too. He isn't quite as good as that as Jonathan Taylor, if you ignore his fumble issues with that, or Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, or Cam Akers, but he does have that ability, and he will be able to be used on short yardage situations next year in the NFL at an efficient enough level. And again, he after he or before he plants and heads upfield, he's he's got quick feet to make a guy miss. He's not quite as quick as DeAndre Swift, but he is going to be in that upper tier when it comes to quickness. He can make a guy miss and then get upfield for more yards. And while he was running against the Big Ten, he really was able to excel against these top rushing defenses, as was Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor had better yards, and if he stayed one more year, could have been the all-time college rusher, but um, J.K. Dobbins was able to do that do that as well, but he had a little bit more pass catching than Jonathan Taylor with fewer fumbles, which I love. His worst game in college came against Michigan State in 2018. That was when Michigan State had one of the best defenses in all of college football. He had 14 carries for 28 yards, which is just awful twitter at pickup hero or on instagram thank thank you for listening to the running back rankings for the 2020 nfl draft i hope you enjoyed the podcast here if you have any comments or questions please do not hesitate to find me on instagram at pickup hero podcast or on twitter at pickup hero pod thank you